finally, me and EJ get to work together. We've been, you know, it's this been a long time coming, EJ. Yeah, I think uh I think this is probably what I would call an ideal version of the show. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a chill hangout version of the show. And, you know, yeah. I don't think we're gonna get mad at each other about anything. I don't think there's gonna be well, any hold kind on. of tension. <laughs> You want to get mad? Do you want to have kind of a little? Really do you want to get aggressive have, in here? Ener- I don't have the energy to get mad anymore. I don't think. See, I, that's I a thing. mostly just get like frustrated at things these days. Oh, dude, can we talk about how I've uh, kind of tricked you into becoming a stand-up comedian, and now you're like kind of a comedian? You want to talk yeah, about that? Let's just talk about that. We got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, so. we got plenty of time. This is this episode's going to be about a bunch of things, uh, but I just want to in the cold open here. I just want to talk a little yeah. bit. So you, I you have started going to open mics. And you're working on, you got jokes. You came out Ah, hot with jokes from the jump. I mean, what did you expect, though? Because, like, I I thought it was weird afterwards when my review was, EJ, you had jokes. Yeah, Like, what was the expectation, I guess? Um, The expectation was nothing. Was that that you (laughs) were going to... Low bar. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's the expectation you set for people when they do stand-up comedy for the first time. And that's what I've said, you know, when I've taught comedy... That's what mm-hmm. I would say to people is like, the only expectation is that you're going to talk. Uh, there's no expectation right. that it's going to be funny or that you already have jokes. And I, I, I just was surprised. It's and it, yeah, I guess you could take it. You could take it like maybe the bar is too low that I set for my friend. Maybe I, I just didn't know. I just didn't know what the bar would be. Right, like when you're new to something, you don't know yeah. what the bar is. But I'm I've always been somebody who like whenever I have like a new task or like a new hobby I'm taking up. I want to be good at it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I don't, I'm not somebody who's like, you know, I'll do some research into the thing. Like I'm not, I'm not out here to be trash at the thing I'm doing. Right. Know? So not that I'm good at comedy yet. I'm just saying like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to at least have something prepared. Like not I know, yet. I know what the baseline level of preparation is for basically any performance art. But, right. And so I was like, I had that going for me, I guess. So I had I had some things written down, and yeah, I, I performed them. Yeah, I and I, th- I I think you did well, and I think you... Yeah. I actually don't think you've really bombed yet. Like, I don't think you've had a really bad experience yet, which yeah. I'm disappointed by, because, like, you need <laughs> you need that experience, bud. You need I, I, to do I, I don't know what bomb... Hey, see, here's the thing, Hunter. I did community theater for <laughs> a long time. <laughs> I did community I theater bombed, Hunter. for a long time, <laughs> yeah. but if you think I haven't bombed, <laughs> if you think I haven't laid a big fat egg on, on stage, you're wrong. You're yeah. just wrong. I think that most of what community theater is is bombing, so maybe 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 I have. Maybe yeah, I have maybe, maybe you have experienced it. What was the worst community theater piece that you've done? Like, what, what was the biggest egg y'all have laid together? Oh, that's a good question. So it, it was really more like college theater because I was at NWAC, which is the local community that's, college. We here. could say that's community theater. It, it is because because it's open casting to the community. Right. So so it's not just the people that are in the class. It's it, just and anybody. I never took the class. I always was technically community member. Anyways, none of that matters. Um, but I was the lead in uh, Fahrenheit 451, <laughs> a stage production of Fahrenheit 451. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you can only imagine. Now, listen, I I don't want to throw shade because I obviously I I I did it, and uh, you know you you kind of hold dear the things that you do. Um, 
However, um, first off, the set was immaculate. They they built like this multi-layered set. It was so dangerous. I on opening night, I almost literally broke my leg. I, I was walking backwards up a ramp, uh, and I just fell off the side of the ramp as the lead. I didn't have oh, a, there was no understudies. <laughs> I was I was playing Guy Montag, lead <laughs> character of Fahrenheit <laughs> 451, and nearly broke my leg falling off of a ramp. So. Uh, and it, the highest uh, the highest platform was like 15 feet in the air. But one night, the very I think it was the, either the last afternoon or the the last um, it was either the last afternoon or or the last performance in in general. But um, the air conditioning broke inside of Northwest Arkansas Community College. Heck yeah! And, and like I said, these platforms were tall, and the stage is short, <laughs> and so. On this stage, um, we all bombed. I don't remember that performance. All right. of us almost passed out. But because the stage was <laughs> elevated, if you don't know anything about stage lights, folks, um, stage they're lights hot. are hot they're whenever hot, you are dude. on the ground. When you're on the ground, they're hot. <laughs> Imagine being like I had to give an opening monologue to Fahrenheit 451, which was a it's a two and a half minute monologue. On the highest platform is the only time we use the highest platform, and I nearly passed out two and a half minutes into the play oh my with God. a two-hour-long play, the a two-hour two-act play. Whole play ahead I, of you. Yeah, and I and I nearly passed out because I because it was 150 degrees. We we were living Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, yeah, dude. And like, that was yeah. that would drive me crazy. Like if I went to a production of that and I was like, dude, are they like doing something? Like is, <laughs> is this, this like, method? Like is this meta? What's going, going on here? Are they going meth? Are they actually trying to burn the books here? Like is that's what is happening we right now? <laughs> that day we were trying to burn the place to the ground and like it was like we're gonna bring you all with us, dude. So you're yeah, Fahrenheit 451. The immersive experience, <laughs> the 4D experience, Fahrenheit 451. Come on down. We're going to burn your books. We're going to burn your ass. Let's go. All right, and welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. I am your host this week, Hunter Donaldson. I am joined by EJ Sanders. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, just a one-on-one, -on -one, you and me. Yeah, 1v1. We'll see who wins. 1v1. Yeah, We're 1v1. against each other. <laughs> 1v1 podcasting. Uh, I have kind of a funny note to start on today. Okay. This week was supposed to be right. me and a guest covering right. and i won't say not who gonna call them out no yeah. i'm not gonna call them out we're gonna just leave them be now uh we, we were supposed to be talking about the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom uh <laughs> for the nintendo switch uh but i've played the game for about 25 hours and let me tell you something folks i don't really care and i want to just move <laughs> on with my life and no hey if you like it no offense to you i did not feel like having an episode where i was like complaining about this game right. that's one of the biggest games of the year. I don't feel like complaining. I don't feel like having a week where I talk about something that I don't like. I would rather talk about something that I do like um, and, you know, with a person that I like. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's reach out to EJ and let's just talk about something, a game that basically takes no time at all to play. Like it's <laughs> yeah. literally I like 10 that minutes. You, you switched gears from, from 
Legend of Zelda, which yep. is a huge you know, 40, 50 plus hour experience. Oh, dude, no. Tears is like really long. Like it's really? more like 60, 70 just to wow. finish. And then you might need to put in a hundred. Uh, it is a gigantic game. And I was I'll, bouncing off of it at the 25th hour. Like <laughs> if you read the, if you read the episode title this week, you'll know then that it's definitely not Legend of Zelda no. we're talking about. No. And this game that we did play, I did play. I have 40 minutes of play time. I've played the entire game twice. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm confused. Uh, yes. Hunter sent me a message today. It yeah. was literally like, "Hey, um, we need to do an app for OGA. Um, would you like to do um, your baby Rocket League?" And I was like, "No, well, we can't do Rocket League without like playing. We can't. We got to yeah, do a true. Sea of Thieves experience. Yeah, with Rocket League. Not maybe not to that extent, but we gotta. It's gotta. Be I gotta get time. you and Matt on that grind a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I, I want to be on that, on that grind. grind. I want to exactly, know about that exactly. grind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's so that. Uh, but then you brought up this game, Thirty Flights of Loving. Yeah, dude. Which is what we're doing this week. Yeah. Yeah. So this week we're talking about Thirty Flights of Loving, which is right. uh, by Blendo Games. Um, hmm. I believe the name of the designer is uh, Brendan Chung. Uh, yep. who also made uh, a game later uh, in 2016, a game called Quad- Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is a game right. I love very, very, very much. Um, but I played this in 2012 when it came out because there was a Kotaku article about how there was this uh, new game you could play in like 10 minutes or some other, uh, yeah. and that it was interesting, it was experimental, and I played it then in 2012 and was like, this is really cool. Then I went backwards and played some of the other games uh, in this series, this is actually a, a loose series of games called the Citizen Able series, uh, which right. is highly experimental first-person games. Um, <laughs> yep. And but this is the one that I started on, so I was like, we should just play this one and talk about it. Um, it is a narrative first-person adventure game that is yep. very on rails and really has no, like almost no gameplay elements. <laughs> it is basically a mo- a little movie you play. And you make no choices, and yep. but it's very It's like a visual novel. It's like a visual novel a little mm. bit. And there's no I, text on screen yeah. at no point. Well, I know, yeah. like, not text like that, I guess. Um, yeah. It's a story. No, there is text. Yeah, but yeah, not like that. Yeah, not like a not like a closed captioning is what you're saying. Yeah, or like, or, yeah. or, or, or it never feels like you're uh, just reading a story. It's more like... It's almost like you're experiencing a inter- interactive uh, movie, but like an experimental fun movie that's presented non-chronologically. Right. And it, the story right. is about a heist gone wrong, basically. Right. And it's very, you, you get the uh, story out of order, uh, you meet mm-hmm. your principal characters, and then you get to the, you don't even get to see the heist. You never right. see the actual heist happen. Um, right. Yeah. You have to put the pieces together as to where you're at. Yes. In kind of the the hierarchy of what's going on. But there's a lot of it's snap cuts. I mean, yeah. we're not I'm not talking. There's no cross fading or any, it is. It is very abrupt. Yes. Um, you feel like the game is breaking almost in mm-hmm. front of you. Like uh, I think there were a couple of times early when I first started playing. I was like, whoa, uh, did I like <laughs> Did the game break? You know, yeah. there's it's so weird. There's this one part where an actual loading bar pops up, but I think that's part of the game, <laughs> which is really weird. There's no at no time does the snap cut ever load, but there's right. one like scene where it like loads the scene. Yeah. And I think that that's weird. Um, I, I don't know really what to think of this. It's not really a game. Uh, no. I did play the the prequel. Um, 
which is called Gravity Bone. Yeah. Which is more of a game. Right, that's um, true. And that's included, that was actually included in my $2.50 purchase of 30 Flights of Loving. See, so that's the other thing. This game is cheap, y'all. And if yep. you want to just stop listening to us talk about it and play it and come back, that you can do that. It Now's the time, actually. But starting yeah. now, go. Yeah. All right, and you're back, and it's actually only been 15 minutes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's <laughs> been very, very short. Um, and now you know, you know what it is. Um, yep, you know what it is. I think the reason I like this game so much, the nugget mm -hmm. that I always gravitate to about it, is that it uses experimental film language in the context yes. of a game in a way that I wish other uh, game developers did. Like this is like a tiny little experiment of like here's here's how you could take um, the jump cut uh, or the snap mm -hmm. cut, like like EJ was saying, and incorporate yep. it into a game and yes it feels jarring like when you're oh. playing you're literally playing in first person and <laughs> yeah. it just goes nope now you're here but yep. you get used to it and it starts feeling like this is allowing you to sort of adapt the pacing of cinema into right. a game you know if you could do this in long form i would i, I would be afraid <laughs> of, of maybe the the uh, consequences of that but uh, mostly because I think if you do this in long form, what makes it work is almost because it's in short form. Yeah. It's like 15 minutes, so you remember everything. Right. Um, this in long form would be very difficult. I, even if it's, I think the longest you could maybe do this in, and maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, but I, I think that maybe an hour or two, like the length of a movie is maybe as long as you could go getting away with what, what this game gets away with in 15 minutes. Well, so I think it's more like, I, I think you're correct if you were going to relentlessly use this type of language, right. but I think like the actual application in a AAA game would mm -hmm. be to use this sparingly, but to heighten certain scenes, to Ooh. like take us to, you know, have longer gameplay segments where once it's story time, we're messing with everything. You know, it's like, it's like mm -hmm. a... I think it's Godar that has that good uh, quote of like a movie needs like a beginning, middle, and end, but not necessarily mm -hmm. in that order. Right. Um, I feel like we haven't gotten the game that really capitalizes on that idea, um, and I do want that. Like, I think non-linear storytelling uh, is actually a good fit for games, but you so rarely see it. I mean, we're at a point where you know after the Batman Arkham games. Right. Uh, we we've gotten to the point where like flashbacks and like kind of psychedelic <sighs> yeah. or surreal elements are like very <sighs> common, you know. But like Who that's the extent. Who cares about flashbacks? Who Do cares it? about flash? Yeah, I don't no, care but, about yeah. flashbacks. Yeah. I, flashbacks in video games make me just ill because it's just like could I could have I could have played that part. Just right. Let, make me play it. Just make me play it like before. I, right. And make me play it a long time ago. I don't know. Make it part of the game. I there there are some games that kind of make it work. The Uncharted series tries it quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, and you know at least you're interacting with the environment in those flashbacks. But uh, the worst, I'd say, the bottom rung of like kind of video game storytelling, I think is is uh, cutscene flashbacks. Right. If it's just a cutscene and a flashback, I am not watching. I didn't right. care. Right. I don't care. I won't care unless right. like the game is somehow really really good. I just don't care. I, I don't. So it needs to be interactive. Uncharted does an okay job. That's the one that I can think of off the top of my head. But ugh, what an awful way to tell a story, I think. Well, it's funny because in, in 30 Flights of Loving, to me, it doesn't 
it doesn't feel awful, but it's it's literally. I mean, there is you are basically just watching a cutscene, but it's always That's from true. your perspective, right? But, yeah. But yeah, you're not really. There's not really any interactivity. But I think it's right. because the story is being presented in such a way to where the character and the player are not one to one as far as their knowledge of the story. Like the character knows stuff about what's gone down right. that the player is never privy to. And I like that is an interesting disconnect. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the very the climax of this game is you know uh, the escape scene mm-hmm. at the very end when you turn around and you follow like you, they do this really cinematic thing with a bullet and then you're like riding the motorcycle. I think that's the f- flashback. That's the only flashback in this game, and it's short enough to to not really matter. But yeah, I love the way that that's used. Yeah. Because, but because this game, it's so funny because I just knocked every other game in the world for doing this same thing. <laughs> but it's funny because the the way that this game sets up and the way that you're just picking things up like and not using them. Like, there's one point in the game where you pick up guns as mm-hmm. if you're about to go shoot guns. Right. Like, it sets you up. To shoot guns. Like it's gun time. You're going to shoot guns. Che- it's, it's Chekhov's guns, except for, like, you don't shoot them in the second right. act. Right. So, or or they're used off screen or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's I think it's really interesting um, that it, it this game specifically allows itself to do that, um, whereas I don't think other games can get away with it. And I'm, I'm wondering why that is, Hunter. Do you have any other insight into 30 Flights of Loving that, like, get us there you know because that's where i'm that's what i'm most curious about is like how can a game like this get away with such I th- uh, with what it does you know yeah it's, it's almost greedy the way it does it <laughs> i think the reason that you're invested in the game while you play it is mm-hmm. that it's because of how the story's being told it's because the player doesn't have all of the information that they need to even understand the scenes that they're watching so right. you are sort of actively looking at this game world and trying to pick up all the little details of it. And that's yeah. why it's interesting. Um, and what did you try to break the game? Did you try to go back and break the game? Oh no, I didn't. Did, I didn't. Can you break it? Like what is that? No, no, no. I, I'm just asking if you did. I did go back and try cause I did two playthroughs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so what I did was I was like, well, d- cause, cause here's the thing about this game. It makes you feel like you missed something, doesn't it? Right. Well, right. Yeah. That's kind of the biggest thing is like you feel like at the end, or at least I did. Maybe maybe it's not supposed to. No, no. I it. I think that a a certain aspect of the game that I find really appealing is that you are even if you're paying attention to every little detail, and there right. are some things that are very missable, but right. uh, you still don't have a complete picture of like what the uh, story is. Yeah, I, and I think too it being so kind of open ended. I think it's just playing on like all of your knowledge of movies that do the same thing. Pulp right. Fiction, Memento, yeah, um, are the most famous of those, right? Yeah, um, uh, other movies as well. <laughs> I think of Reservoir Dogs a lot. Reservoir Dogs because it's also yeah. a movie about a heist that goes wrong, and we skip right. the heist. We don't see the right. Heist at all. Yeah, but yeah, Reservoir Dogs is a great example of of not showing us what the actual like the actual climax of the movie, right? Right. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's it's so it's so interesting, but I, I guess back to my point, I tried to break this game, which mm-hmm. I just decided I was gonna like. I tried to play it backwards and see if there was something there, you know. Like uh, anytime I could like go back into a room, I tried to do that. Um, I tried to 
I tried to jump. I jumped into the water where the the geese were or the ducks. Oh yeah, yeah. And I jumped in there, see, swam around to see if there was anything in there. Um, and I'm not gonna tell you, listener, if there is or isn't, because I did this. You should go do it. It oh, only cool. takes another 15 minutes. But yeah, I, I went. <laughs> Looks I like went you have to play it, it again. All right, pause. Now you have to play <laughs> it again. <laughs> now go play it again. <laughs> All right, so now that you're back after that 15-minute break, um, you should know, too, that like I uh, uh, at the, the scene, the balcony scene mm-hmm. um, with the oranges, uh, I jumped out off the balcony um, to see what was down there, and there's another balcony you can land on uh, also. Um, I'm not going to tell you if there's anything there. Love. <laughs> Actually, there's not. Third, there's just not. Okay, there's, there's not. Just not right, I was about there. to say third playthrough, but no, we're good. <laughs> third playthrough. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that um, I think that it's interesting that it tells the story that it wants to tell. It doesn't um, allow you really to do anything else, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of ingest the story, which kind of is a commentary. I guess there's a meta commentary here on like kind of how video games work. Yeah, I don't know. I think that video games have long had an obsession with uh, with film because it's an mm-hmm. older it's a older medium like film is like yes. video games like older brother and it's already yeah, agreed it's fully established it has its uh, a defined language whereas in video games we're still saying stuff like metroidvania and like silly like we have silly like childish terms that are like that's what we call that we don't have a better way to describe we don't have a very well established uh, established language or at least i would say <laughs> that one's like metroid yeah that one's like castlevania <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. where we're at you know it's like it still feels yeah. like a little early when it comes to uh, talking about games when you compare it to film well, it is. yeah and i think what i love about 30 flights of loving is that most games that are obsessed with movies i don't like that very much like i feel like the things it's like what you were talking about before ej of like if you're gonna show me a cutscene, if you're gonna show me like a cheeky flashback, mm-hmm. then I feel like I'm not, it, it's just like, well, this is like, you know, the the main criticism of the Last of Us games, which I am, I, I hope I'm on record at this point for being a fan of, but one of the biggest criticisms yeah. of it is that it is, you know, we've got the movie parts and we've got the gameplay parts and they're kind of like very separate things, you know? It's like, yep. I, if I'm not playing, then it's a movie, basically. The thing that I love about 30 Flights of Loving is it goes, all right, well, this game's going to be obsessed with movies, but in a way that actually feels like it's interesting and giving us new avenues for how to explore telling stories and games. Birdie, you got to stop, okay? This dog. (laughs) Let me talk about Matt's dog for a second. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I've been taking care of Birdie. It's okay. It's okay. He's working, Birdie. He's working. I've been taking care of Birdie for about a week now, and this dog only... This dog only lives for Matt uh, and Matt's yes. attention. And yep. the fact that Matt is a, is not around, Birdie is so depressed. Like, it's the most Aww. depressed, like, dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, and it's just so sad because it's like, uh-huh. I, I tried to play with Birdie the other day. She won't even play. She won't do anything. She's just, like, Aww. moping around, you know? And it's like, Matt, I don't know if you're listening to this episode, but, like, dude, like, <laughs> This is not. This is how he finds out. You haven't texted fair, him dude. about it. This is not fair to this dog. Like you can't. I get that it's like cool for you that your dog loves you and only you. But this is a toxic relationship. Listen, you can hear this dog being sad right now. It's just like what? And it's like Damn. I don't even know. Oh, the poor pupper. How's dude. Pat doing? Pat's probably having a great time without more humans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pat's fine. Pat, Pat doesn't care. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is Pat's best life. Uh, yeah, dude. which is Matt's cat. Yeah, Pat. Pat is Pat is fine with all of this. What's really funny is that you know <laughs> I'm kind of a chaotic person, and Matt yeah. and uh, his wife Katie. I think they go to bed at like the same time. Yeah, they're structured. They're structured. structured. Okay. Yeah. So what that means mm-hmm. is th- is Pat and Birdie, they mm-hmm. go to sleep between nine thirty and ten without me. <laughs> And I'll just be like, where are the animals? And I'll just walk into the bedroom and, and they're, they're just, just in bed. They're just like, dude, it's bedtime. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you still up? Why are you still up? Uh, you're I'm actually just like, disturbing us. <laughs> Turn the light out, dude. It's bedtime. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you turning, the, you're tel- turning the ceiling light on? It's nighttime. <laughs> well, that was a tangent. Uh, <laughs> what were we talking about before? Oh, yeah. We were talking about. We were talking about uh, cinema and games and stuff. Yeah, 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 cinema and games. You know what would be cool? Subject. I think we've, we, the, 30 Flights of Loving, it's cool. I, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a fun game. Um, Indiana Jones 5, though, oh. that's that's a movie that's coming out or is out. I think it's out, is actually, it by, by out the time this releases. Well, yeah. Let me do a quick Google. Yeah, and uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I wanted to know, uh, what do you think of the old uh, Indiana Jones? This is a crazy podcast right now. I don't care. Like, um, we're, we're doing whatever we want. Like, what do you mean? Just like, uh, like the franchise? Yeah. Have you have you watched any of these movies? So these, I've I've only watched. I think I've only watched Raiders. Um, That's a I'm good not one. Somebody. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was, it was very good. I, I can't believe they're still getting uh, Harrison Ford for this thing. Uh, they did they really get him for this next one? Yeah, yeah. And the thing I is, mean, he is Indiana Jones. So. He's he's the guy, so it's got to be him. Um, I think you know this movie's doing really going to do really bad at the box office. Nobody's going to go see it. Oh, yeah. We're going to go see it. You and me are going to go see. We're it. We're going to go see it. And here's why. Here's why I have to go see this movie. I have been watching Harrison Ford in the movies my whole life. All right. Yes. He is same. a fixture of the movies for me. Uh. Because of Star Wars, because of Indiana Jones, it's like the, these are two like foundational properties, and this and he doesn't like Star Wars. So whenever we watched him <laughs> in those new right. Star Wars movies, that was he wasn't saying goodbye to us. He was just like, I gotta just kind of making some, you know, I'm uh, getting a new wing of my mansion. He kind of says goodbye in the new in the in the one he, you know, in the one. <laughs> In the one, he does sort of say goodbye, but it's also, it's different because it's like, he, yeah. I can see how grumpy he is to be at work. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's yeah. not happy about this. Well, he's 80 years old. Yeah, so. yeah. He is, he is yeah. old, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing about Indiana Jones 5 and why I'm so excited about seeing it, even though it seems like mm-hmm. nobody else is, is that it's, it is the time to say goodbye to Harrison this Ford. We're not getting another Indiana Jones movie, and he we're, likes this movie. Like he's, We're not he's getting happy. another Harrison Ford movie. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, maybe we, he gets some sort of old man role in some other thing, no, no, but we're yeah, not going to see him. But we're, not, but we're not getting another Harrison Ford vehicle. Yes, you yes. see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this, is, this is it. This is, I mean, he's 80 years old. I mean, he's, he's put together a heck of a career for starting late, too, right? Didn't he start... When he was like 35, 36. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to have, right? It's only been 30 years since, it's only been 40 years since Star Wars. Right. Yeah. I mean, I so. mean yeah, he's, he, he was kind of a late starter. He, he was, was like kind of the start. older man on, uh, with, with all the kids on Star Wars. So there you right. go. Man. Yeah. He's got all these kids running around yeah. on the spaceship. Yeah. And he's just being grumpy uh, on a spaceship. And that's, you know, it's very endearing. But uh, yeah, and, we're not, we're not getting another one. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I got to go see this movie, not because, I think it's going to be a great movie, although it could be better than uh, than the fourth Indiana Jones movie, The Crystal Skull, 
movie, which was you know weird and kind of kind of bad. I mean, it had it. Oh, has I mean, its I don't know. Qualities, I haven't seen but, it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to defend this movie. I haven't seen it. Um, I've seen this movie, but I'd love to. But yeah, I'm just saying. I'm I've been rewatching the Indiana Jones movies. Um, I we don't need to talk about the whole series since you've you've only seen Raiders. But um, but real quick, right. I'll do at, at this point. I want to say, uh, Temple of Doom might be that it might be the best one. Um, even though uh, that's the problems. one I want to see. That's the that's the one. Uh, that's the one I want to see. It's Spielberg's not directing this one. That's the new one. Yeah, no, it's not a Spielberg movie. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's gonna be weird. It's gonna be a little weird. But. Okay, well, you know, whatever. I, yeah, I, you know, I liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the only film that doesn't have Indiana Jones in the title. Um, so there you go. Um, <laughs> and then Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll go see this movie. Do I Hell have to yeah. see the other movies? Is my nah. question. No, nah, I don't think so. But it'd be cool. It'd be cool if you watched Temple of Doom and Last Crusade because it would, you know, because so those are good. Because those so are good. Crystal Skull is that bad, huh? Crystal Skull. I mean, it's. I don't think it's as people say it's really bad. People really, really hate on right. that movie, and it does have some really dumb stuff in the. Back are there flashbacks of, in Crystal Skull? Is that what it is? No, I don't. No, but that, that's going to be what they do in this new movie. Is these like yeah, I see that the setting is yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, setting is in like two twelve BC. What's that mean? Oh, I don't even know about that. Yeah, I think it's. A, it might be a time travel plot. Actually, that might be what's oh, going on. No. Yeah. Are, I mean, oh, they're doing a Doctor Strange. Listen, I'm Doctor not. Doctor Strange came up with that concept. I'm not saying that it's gonna be a good movie i'm just saying like i uh-huh. i want to go say goodbye to my guy just this i just want to say goodbye to my grumpy my grumpy friend my grumpy screen to, friend yes yes and he's and he deserves a good goodbye i think yeah. he deserves a good send-off go see this movie this is, <laughs> episode is not brought to you by indiana jones yeah dude indiana jones 5 not. official sponsor of this episode of oga dude <laughs> We haven't talked about video games for like ten minutes at this point. Yeah, who which needs is... them? Who needs them? I still want to not talk about video games. For yeah, a few dude. More All right, what, what do we podcast about next? We could literally do whatever we want. Yeah, Matt's well, not we even here. Anything. We could yeah, literally Matt can't do anything. Stop us, Matt! No. Can't stop us. We're I do want to say. Right now. I do want to say that uh, there is some ten-year-old out there who thinks that Doctor Strange invented the concept of a multiverse. Oh sure, yeah, right. Well. I mean, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, like, there's a kid who's like convinced. They're just like, you've never seen a multiverse before yep. until you see this movie. Never start, Never saw Star Trek, which is, in my opinion, <laughs> where it was invented. Yeah. Mirror, mirror, yeah. I mean, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the multiverse for me. It's like, there's two universes. There's the one where you're a normal guy and you mm-hmm. have less facial hair. And then there's right. the one where you're evil and you have more facial hair of an evil variety you know it's, it's the same as dr strange it's the same as dr strange it's literally the same concept it's just uh, it's just know. different places where you have different facial hair arrangements and your D alignment chart is completely all over the place you know it, that's and that's where the nature versus nurture argument comes in you know is that's how we know multiverses is how we know that nurture matters more than nature right it has to yeah I know. I, I agree. You, like the way you are raised and the way that you perceive the word. I don't. I don't know. I've always thought the nature versus nurture thing was really weird because I think it comes from like a very religious like standpoint. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people want to believe that there's like good nature, but it's like dog. Like if you're like if you grow up in bad circumstances, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a, a good chance you can either like you know, fight that off or like also you know it'll, like fight that off and be a good person you. or. Or it'll get you. Yeah. yeah so. Or it gets you. And then it'll there you go. It just gets you. So well, yeah. what's your stance on that? <laughs> on nature versus nurture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear. 
I like nurture. I think nurture's okay. nice. Nature, okay. I could do without, you know? Nature. Yeah, is, nature eh. does have like a bad history. Nature though. is just whatever. Nature's kind of lame. I think nurture is way cooler. Um, and, you know, I I like to think that this podcast is nurture and not nature. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're here to coddle you. We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> We're coddling you, dude. We're coddling you. Yeah, have you played Thirty Flights of Loving again? Like, uh, did, did did you check we out? We should have been playing it as we were. We should have live streamed it onto the podcast. It's just like us, just playing Thirty just Flights. Just playing Loving. this game. I mean, dude, you can. Play we're not even talking minutes. to each other. It's just like silent, and you occasionally hear like little noises like from the game. You're just hearing like music. <laughs> just from hearing the game clicks. Right I mean, yeah. you just hear me like wazzing all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We could talk about Bernoulli's principle, I guess. Dude, yeah, that's I love that. So at this the end is my favorite game. part of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So at the end, it just explains Bernoulli's principle <laughs> to you and shows you like how it works. It's like the funniest I love, thing. I love how it introduces it though, where it's like this is the end of the game. Um, the way that the credits work in this game. So the the, the way that the credit work is, you basically just walk through a hallway. Yeah, it's of, like a museum. People's a, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah museum, museum of, of the game. Names. Yeah, and then you. <laughs> At the end of the museum, is like, all right, well, that's it. Well, you can go see Bernoulli's principle. It's like in here. And so then you're like, okay. And then you walk, and then it's like, this is this is him. This is the guy. It's Bernoulli himself. Like, shows you a picture of him. And then you walk further down the hallway. It's like, and this, here's his principle. It's in here. <laughs> you go in there. You click a button. And it's just like, it teaches you about <laughs> fluid dynamics. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And then there's a second room that also just shows you it differently. Yeah, it shows plane it flies. With, with a with an airplane wing. Yeah, yeah, because that's yeah. how we fly. That's how we fly. That's how the, we fly. The game's called 30 Flights of Loving, and there you go. Although yeah. it doesn't mean like that. It means like stairs. Flights of stairs, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of, there's some stairs in this one. Yeah, yeah, I believe, stairs. I believe that's the point, but then they're doing some sort of uh, weird pun. I don't know. It's a fun game. You should play. Uh, you, you if you like it, you should absolutely play uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy because it has the I same. That yet. It's so good. It has the same sense of humor. Very similar art style. Uh, it doesn't lean so much into the film influence type stuff. And neither does the prequel. Yeah, uh, I mean the first Gravity game Bone, in the yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, Gravity Bones kind of like a. Ga- it's like a game. Yeah, it, it has <laughs> like platforming for this. No, one. yeah, Thirty Flights of Loving is not a game. This is the first time we're covering a not game. I was actually thinking it'd be funny if we ranked. We put it, it at the bottom. It, well, yeah, I don't care where we put it. It does not matter where it goes on the list. I was thinking that it would be funny to if you had seen all the Indiana Jones films. What I would have suggested yeah. is that we rank. 30 Flights of Loving and all four, all five, actually. Even the I want to hear seen. you do that, actually. Well, actually, you know what we could do that actually would be that would be more we both get to participate. Uh, oh, we okay. also recently saw Asteroid City together, oh, uh, the yeah. new Wes Anderson flick. Oh, so we should rank all of Wes Anderson's movies alongside this movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think we should rank 30 Flights of Loving in a list with all of Wes Anderson's filmography, or at least the okay. ones we want to rank. All right, well, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, so if you're not familiar with uh, Wes Anderson, he is an American filmmaker that makes mm-hmm. uh, like kind of like soft, comedic um, style culture. Movies. It's a cultured style. It's a sophisticated vibe. Um, very funny. Uh, and it has like probably his movies probably have like some of the best uh, art design. Like everything's very oh, symmetrical yeah. and put together in like such a particular uh, special little way. If you haven't seen Asteroid City, um, I would recommend it. It's been pretty divisive, I've noticed, in, in my friend group. 
of people that have bounced off of it because I think there are people that are just kind of like, they know what Wes Anderson does and they're not really interested in seeing any more of it because he doesn't really like, he never really surprises you with like a left turn. It's always kind of like, yep, this is a Wes Anderson movie, which I think is fine. Like if, if you like this, then it's cool that you have a guy you can go to in order to get it. It's not like everyone's making movies like this, you know, no one, no one's making movies. No one makes movies like Wes Anderson. So it's like, he's, he's your shop for that. You know, you don't need to go to him and be like, dude, it'd be cool if it was different though. You know? Yeah. Well, you and me were talking about this actually in the lead up to going and seeing asteroid city. We were like, like both of us excitedly, we were like, we didn't see anything of that. We didn't see any, like, any uh, advertising at all for right. this movie. Media blackout. You and me didn't watch yep. a trailer. Yep. We yep. were just like, nope, Wes Anderson's name's on the movie. We'll let's go see this. Yeah, I knew I was going to go see it, so why do I need right. to watch a trailer? And, and I hate trailers I know what anyways. it's going to be about. Like the, only time, like, the only time that would catch me off guard is if Wes Anderson made a horror movie. Yeah. Like, if if right. I walked into a theater and I like, and he like actually made a horror movie, mm-hmm. I would be, that would be, that would catch me off guard, but I right. knew what I was getting into. I was right. like, no, Wes Anderson's name's on it. It's the same thing we were talking about. Two more directors came up uh, during that conversation. Quentin Tarantino yep. and and Paul Thomas Anderson. It's yep. like those three guys. It's like, yep, I know what I'm getting. I right. don't need to I don't need to I don't need to do any research. So right. um, and I so, don't so which of the, which of his films are we gonna rank? Um so I think that it'd be interesting to talk about um Grand Budapest Hotel. Obviously, uh, Asteroid City, which we just saw. Yep. Um, let's say uh, The Life Aquatic, um, mm-hmm. The Royal Tenenbaums, yeah, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I don't know. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm then we're ranking 30 Flights of set. Loving in that somewhere. Like, I want right, to know, right? Okay, so right. so the ones we left out though, real quick, are Rushmore. Oh, we did leave out Rushmore. Yeah. We did leave out Rushmore. Now we can rank Rushmore. Actually, let's let's okay. let's pop out Fantastic Mr. Fox and replace that with Rushmore. I agree with that. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So we're leaving out Bottle Rocket, the Darjeeling Limited, which I gotta do my quick Darjeeling Limited spiel. Yeah, I think yeah, that do movie it. Is criminally underrated. Yeah, I think that movie is really good. Um, so, anyways, I'm on record saying that now. There you uh, go. Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, we're not doing. Oh, and then Isle one. of Dogs and French Dispatch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm okay with leaving those. Those are whatever. Yeah. I feel right. like so is this is 30 Flights of st- Loving actually better than any Wes Anderson movie? Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of the problem with this, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> we probably should have picked some of the maybe the weaker Wes Andersons. Yeah, well, to okay, so chance. I'll start with this. I actually am not a big fan of The Life Aquatic, which I realize might okay. disappoint I'm people. Same, actually. So th- oh, okay, cool. So The Life Aquatic yeah. is... put that at the bottom. I think I would put that at the bottom. Um, because yeah. here's, the, here's the thing about The Life Aquatic. If you've never mm-hmm. seen it, um, it is a movie... Uh, it's the, the kind of centered on Bill Murray, uh, Wes Anderson movie. Uh, so if mm-hmm. you really like Bill Murray, if you think Bill Murray is very funny, which I, I do, I think Bill Murray is quite funny. Um, yep. But it's a movie where he plays like a Jacques Cousteau type, uh, like sea, deep sea explorer. And uh, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of a showboaty idiot. It's a lot of yep. humor like that. I find it's also one of the jokiest um, Wes Anderson movies in that a lot of his humor is very visual, but this movie is like very just written jokes. 
Yeah, I, this is the most dialogue heavy for the jokes for sure. Yes, yes. A lot of the humor is just from like just jokes delivered by people. And right. I find that it hasn't aged that well. Like a lot of the humor in it d- is not really yeah. that funny to me anymore. Also with the kind of submarine thing that just recently happened. Oh, yeah, there's like. also that. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah, that's that's also part of it. Uh, if yeah. anything, maybe, well, I don't know. I, who knows where that <laughs> makes it now, but <laughs> maybe we upgraded a little bit. Maybe we upgraded a little bit, actually. The, this On this one, they survived. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know. it actually seems, seems more good. hopeful. Um, yeah. So let's put Life Aquatic at the bottom. Is 30 Flights of Loving better than Life Aquatic? I think it is. I think so. I yeah. think uh, I think what Thirty Flights of Loving does well is uh, it does play on your history of knowing. Uh, uh, it's just the human condition. We have to assign reason to things, right? Yes. And and Thirty Flights of Loving does a really good job of that. Um, the Life Aquatic, I think, is a little bit overwritten um, because, like you said, a lot of what Wes Anderson does is very visual, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that Asteroid City does very well. Yes. Um, and other. Uh, movies that we'll get to uh, but yeah life aquatic kind of fails in the visual i mean not fails it's beautiful but yeah it is <laughs> it, very pretty it, it is not as it is not as visually pro- uh, thought provoking uh necessarily um as some of his other movies is it more th- visually thought provoking than 30 flights of loving probably um, mm. 30 flights of loving looks like quake so yeah that's true but <laughs> 30 flights of loving also has a lot of structural play that like that's i feel true. like you don't get in that's uh, any of wes anderson's movies really he's right he, really wes yeah wes anderson's a tough one to do this with because his structure is always kind of the same yeah um and it's except very, for very except for the one we're going to talk about yeah um, well yeah well, that, two of these actually yeah. two of these where, where he so that's the thing about wes anderson we might as well come out and say it like grand budapest hotel and asteroid city kind of set themselves apart yeah because they do play with structure yeah i agree um they have they both have framing devices i really like the mm-hmm. grand budapest uh framing device but i also like the asteroid city one even though it's weirder wilder and maybe a little less obvious as far as like what the point of it is right um, right it definitely is the one that begs to be rewatched. Um, I think honestly, I mean, I think those are our top two. I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah. I think one from one for me is always Grand Budapest. Yeah, um, yeah. And even getting away from Asteroid City about a week now, and even cooling down on it, it's still my number two. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, um, so yeah, if you haven't seen Asteroid City, uh, check it out in yeah. theaters. It's everywhere right now. I'm pretty sure it's wide release. Um, <laughs> this this podcast, dude. We are just like. <laughs> We're just telling people chilling, what movies to go we're see. Just chilling movies. <laughs> gotta go see Indiana Jones Five. And you gotta go see Asteroid City this weekend, bud. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah, All right, you are go buying. T- Actually, you do need to kind of go see Asteroid City pretty soon. It's gonna yeah. be streaming like in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And you, and need, you need to see it in the theater. It's a Wes the Anderson movie. You gotta see yeah, it on a big screen. You like do. you need that. Gotta see every little piece of footage in there, baby. Yeah. So now yeah. we've got. We've got six things to rank. We put, we started at, we've done the top mm-hmm. and the bottom. Now mm-hmm. we have to decide Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums. And I feel uh-huh. like we might disagree a little bit here because to me, I like you Royal Tenenbaums so? more than wow. Rushmore. Really, you do? Yeah. Yep. yep. See, I knew um, Royal I knew Tenenbaums it. doesn't crack my top five Wes Anderson Ooh, movies. Ooh, okay. Which well, is, but it, might it not does for have me some. Either, actually, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I think these are two. Here's the thing about Rushmore. Rushmore, because Bottle Rocket came out first, and mm-hmm. that's something we have to talk about real quick, which is that Bottle Rocket was his first big thing, 1996. He comes out with Bottle Rocket. The Wilson brothers are hilarious. Yep. and Luke and it's Owen. It's a good movie. Yep. Yeah, Luke and Owen are great. 
Uh, and then he basically, it's like not in his style. Bottle Rocket's a very, um, like it's a very '90s movie. I right. don't know if you've if you've ever watched Bottle Rocket. I have it's seen just, it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a very. It's it does not look like a Wes Anderson film. Well, I think um, I'll say this. I think it fun. can't look like a Wes Anderson movie no, because I think trying great. to make a Wes Anderson movie cost a lot of money and you right. need a lot of people that are listening to everything you're saying. It's hard to make an independent right. film version of Wes Well, then Anderson. it's crazy. What's crazy is his second project is Rushmore. Right. And I think that Rushmore is so awesome for like a debut Wes Anderson film because yeah. it's the first proper Wes Anderson film. And he like, does really establish himself in that movie. Like, he it is really like, puts himself on the map with this yeah, one. Yeah, you're right. And so you're it'd be right. hard for me between those two, because I still don't know where we're putting 30 Flights of Loving. Uh, <laughs> I think I think 30 Flights of Loving could go above Life Aquatic at, at the number five I, spot. Yeah, I don't well, think it can go yeah, anywhere. No, it can't go any uh, higher. It can't go yeah. any higher. Yeah, um, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, if it were me, I would put Rushmore... Edging Royal Tenenbaums. Now, Rushmore, I think, makes my top five. Right. But barely. And it depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, and Royal Tenenbaums hardly ever makes it. I, I, I'd have to be on a pretty fresh rewatch and, and really love that scene where she's getting off the bus. Yeah. So. Oh, that moment That moment when she gets off the bus to these days or whatever, that's so... That that, that part really, really owns. It's just um, I think out. I just like Royal Tenenbaums a lot because it is... The the thing the difference between Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums is Royal Tenenbaums is the first mm-hmm. one that's like an ensemble piece, which then right. becomes like kind of the staple, like it's like the last element to fall into place. Ru- like Rushmore has the look and it has like the cadence because the way people yes. talk in Wes Anderson movies is very specific, um, and that's awesome. And then Royal Tenenbaums, I think to me brings the last piece, which is that these are all ensemble pieces where we have lots of actors playing even very minor roles and they're generally like everyone is like someone interesting and well established and they're being utilized in a way that is exciting i think jeff goldblum is like the poster child for this type of thing jeff goldblum is in a lot of these movies not all of them but generally speaking he's he's utilized for some particular fun way (laughs) Um, and he already he speaks like he's in a Wes oh, he's Anderson a Wes movie An- yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jeff Goldblum is is Wes Anderson's like I don't know what like his dummy in this yeah. no sense. Like that's the he like looks at him and goes, "That's how I want everybody to speak in all of my films." Right, uh, right. Everybody has to speak like Jeff Goldblum. Study Jeff Goldblum, and then you can be in my film. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think the way that I would describe Jeff uh, Wes 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 Anderson dialogue um, is uh, speak fast, but like think for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah you know fast so, talking slow thinking slow thinking <laughs> like i mean it, that's just how it is it's like anytime somebody says something that needs to be responded to that's not so witty like he he takes those witty moments and he just makes them into like think pieces yeah um, for like his characters his characters really have to sit there and like study what is being said yeah and i really love that about his movies but there's a lot of pregnant pauses um yeah, yes cool well that was that was a weird, interesting tangent yeah. that I think if you haven't seen these Wes Anderson movies, I'm not sure if that uh, was anything to you. It's, it's nothing to most people. What's funny is 30 Flights of Loving is the fifth best Wes of those yeah. well, Wes Anderson movie that we talked about. All right. It's not even the fifth best one, probably. Well, now we got to do, I think, the the normal duty All right. of All ranking right. it on the game list, which will be pretty tough, I think. 
um, because it's yeah. so much, it's so little game here. Um, but I don't know where, where do you even, I have no idea of where to put this. It's the, the game on the list already that this game is most similar to is the Stanley Parable. Uh, Ultra yeah, Deluxe. I was going to say, we got to at least talk about Stanley Parable. Now, where is that on the list anyways? That's a good right. question. Where? Oh, it's number 40 currently. God, that's Ooh, high. That, that is high. really high, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think, I like 30 Flights of Loving probably better than I like Stanley Parable, to be honest. I think it's, Stanley Parable is like a much more fleshed out game. Mm-hmm. And it has it does a lot of really interesting things in a lot of different directions. I just think the tone like isn't quite like for me. Like I I think that Stanley Parable the the style of of writing is a little bit the jokes are a little there's a little bit too much English on them. They're a little too mm. they're almost overwrought. It would be like kind of a yeah. mean way of putting it. Um. So it it to me it's like I like the game and I like what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um. But its style of humor kind of wears me out. Like whenever I play, like whenever I was playing all of Ultra Deluxe, which I played through every every little segment of that game. By the end of it, I was like, "Yeah, this sense of humor is like not quite my style." Whereas Thirty Flights of Loving is just like a flash in the pan of like, "Here's a cool idea executed very rock and roll." You know, like we we don't it really is care. Rock and roll. It's very it rock is and very roll. Rock and roll. It's a very yeah, rock and roll I'm, execution. Look, this game. Like if it's if it's up to me uh-huh. and. And I mean, it's up to you and me. Yeah. Here's the thing about Stanley Parable that, I mean, obviously the things I love about it are kind of that. I think it's meant to be overridden, right? Like it's, yeah. it's kind of, that's kind of the joke in right. a lot of ways. Right. Um, and I agree that it kind of gets a little, it kind of gets a little sing-songy after a while where you're like, okay, I've kind of heard this. I get before. this voice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I kind of get what's going to, like what the next joke is going to be. You almost mm-hmm. can kind of gauge how it's going to go now it's still very funny and it's yep. still very uh, kind of unpredictable uh and you and i like that in a game but like you were saying 30 flights of loving whereas stanley parable is kind of about wasting your time mm-hmm. 30 flights of loving doesn't really waste your time no you get in um, you get in out in fact the only thing that kind of wastes your time if you even want to call it that because i like i said i only played i played it through it twice in 40 minutes and mm-hmm. you can play through it an infinite number of times and in one time i was doing some game breaking stuff so it's like you know who knows how much time I actually put into this game, but right. Um, both t- you know, both times I'm looking for more things, um, and I think that uh, it's a concise story. You almost don't miss anything. You may miss stuff, but none of it is really important that you miss, and you kind of get the overarching meat. Like it's all meat. Yeah. Um, on, on this story that it's telling you. So yeah, I like the um, meat. I like so the yeah, meat. I I think I would put it a. I think I would put it above Stanley Parable. It's just Ooh. number forty on the list. But that would that that I mean that's <laughs> above like the list right now is this will be the ninety first game we're adding, so we'd be yeah. putting it above so many. Well, things. I think the next game we have to talk about then is getting over it. With <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's all, that's up at the top. Mm-hmm. That's like number. That's number no, seven like right number now. Number seven, yeah. You're trying we, to get this in the top ten. Hold that's on, crazy. We're just gonna, let's just talk about it for a second. Okay, all right. <laughs> So getting over it with Benifati kind of has a similar. Getting over it with Benifati first off is like a 
a five minute game if you're like a speed runner, right? Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. All right. Like you could how you many, know what I'm saying. That's a lot of games on this list though. Like you could yeah. speed run a lot of these and like okay. get them done really fast. I, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, getting over it also doesn't really waste your time in my opinion. But it also like is because it wants you to complete this challenge. I um, I gotta push back a little bit because I do think getting mm-hmm. over it is it's mean enough to waste a lot of your time. It is, but there is a but there learning, is a yeah. goal. Like yeah. there is a And you're always a getting a little structure. bit better. You're always getting a yeah. little bit better. You are getting time. a little bit better. Yeah. yeah so okay. I, I do right. like I do like how getting over it though, like in, it doesn't really encourage you, but it like it is such a challenge. And then when you do it, it does feel like you've actually climbed a mountain. Yeah. Like have literally free soloed a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it is it it does have like that that grit. And I don't think Unfortunately, Hunter, I don't think 30 flights of loving can no. uh, can possibly even be in the top 10, but no, I thought no. I, I thought it was your... the next analogous game really. No, you're right. List. You're right. I love your method here. Uh, now what we've learned is that it's somewhere between 40 and 7. <laughs> yep, so yep, yep. we still right. have a lot of work to do, ladies and gentlemen. We are not we are zoned in on a giant chunk of the list. Um, uh, I still, but here's the thing. I'm still not even convinced that it should go above. Like, I think it's, this mm. is one of those things where I think I just disagree with where Stanley Parable is on the list. It might. Yeah. I think it might be a little high. I think, I think we were a little, little high. high on it when we, when it first came out. Also, we did a fun meme with it that nobody liked, uh, except for us. <laughs> uh, we love that meme. Yeah. You that, guys that, hate it. So that was a very fun episode. For us, yeah, you know. For us, not yeah. for you. That was I mean, that one was for us. This yeah, one is yeah, kind this, of another. This one is for us. <laughs> this one, this one's for us. Dude. Yeah, it's um, just I didn't want to talk about Zelda. Okay, that's all. Yeah, it's just yeah. I didn't feel like talking about Zelda, dude. So we ended up having to talk about a game that I heard about today. So <laughs> there's that. There's a little bit of that going on. I don't know what else in this like kind so, of range because I, I don't know. There's I'm not, Snatcher. Snatcher number 24, which is a Sega CD game by Hideo Mm -hmm. Kojima. Uh, It's a story game. It's obsessed with movies. It's obsessed with Blade Runner. Uh, It has kind of a visual novel more type experience to it. You make choices of things to say and do. Uh, You're like a detective, uh, which is sort of similar to doing a heist, I guess. It's like classic, just story type stuff, right? Uh, Right. I, I think I like Snatcher better, mostly because of the music. Uh, the music, the soundtrack to Snatcher. Since I mean, it's been a while since we played Snatcher. Like I don't, I don't even, I don't know when right. we did it. It looks like it was episode number seventy. So it's yeah, been twenty, 20 weeks, yeah. twenty-one weeks. I still listen to the soundtrack Whoa. like regularly. Okay. Okay. Snatcher is kind of sticking with me. Of a lot of the games that we played on this list that I had never played before. Snatcher is one of the games that still floats around in my head weeks and weeks after playing it. Well, so, tell me tell me then how did 30 Flights of Loving kind of stick with you? Because this game was made in 2012. And right. you brought it up today to me. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's just that I played it. I thought, wow, this is really cool. I hope to see a bunch of other games like kind of rip off this game and like do what it's doing in an interesting way. And also at the time I was obsessed with like French new wave type movies. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of like that 30 flights of loving is like coming from a very like film student. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's very French new wave, the whole thing. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, I think it's cool that, that, you know, that it has that influence and that it's incorporating that into a video game. Um, I just wish that other games had actually picked up what it was doing. Cause I feel like that didn't really happen, you know, like not in a, not in a big way, not in a, like, there's not a game I can point to where it's like, they obviously played 30 flights of loving and then made this, you know? Yeah, there's no, yeah. Ugh. And this was in 2012, so it's been over 10 years since this game came out. I know, out. It's not, and that's the thing, it's never going to influence anything. Like, yeah. it's never going to be, like, whereas Snatcher, at least, is like, this is Kojima. Yeah. Like, yeah, so like, it's it's a part of, like of a lineage. To, right? Yeah, Snatcher goes all the way. I mean, there are Snatcher references in Death Stranding. So, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's still alive and well, yeah. So does that mean we should maybe be really nice to 30 Flights of Loving and put it up higher than it deserves just to be like, people should have played this game and should incorporate its stuff I, a little bit. Here's the thing. It's like almost definitely like the most non-game on this list. Yes, absolutely. Like, I I can't, I don't know how to describe it to folks. The, <laughs> the you, game, do, you game sort of... Just, you play the game, and the game sort of plays itself. <laughs> right. We're, yeah. Like, I don't know how else to say it. There, like, Stanley Parable, there is more game in Stanley Parable That's than true. in this game. But, so, but the I thing about 30 Flights of Loving is how much does the player understand about the story by the end? That's the game. The game is, true. did you figure out what was happening? In a way that's kind of similar to The Outer Wilds, which is a game that we have not talked about that is not on this list, is one of my favorite games I've ever played because most of the game part just happens in the player's mind in such a way as to where what makes me so sad about Outer Wilds is mm -hmm. until I forget about my experience playing Outer Wilds, it is not replayable for me. I will never be able to replay it because the challenge is in figuring out what is going on. Right. And once you know what's going on, it's kind of very easy to solve the game. Like you you get through <laughs> the game very quickly once you get some fundamental right. like facts, almost like a detective, like right, what right, what right. is happening here? It's fact a different one, take two, on a detective three. on a detective's yes. game. Whereas yes. this is this is like detective work um that you are trying to it's like a puzzle. Like I, I don't know. It it, it acts like it just it just acts like pulp fiction it acts like memento yeah it's just like those movies whereas like memento memento is probably the best comparison i can think of that in reservoir dogs like you were saying sure, earlier sure where it's well, just memento is like, good because it's like the the movie ends and you're like did you realize what happened yeah like did the, you understand right it it ends in the middle right like that's yes. the whole that's yep. the whole fun part about memento is the fact that it's like the only movie that ends in the middle of the film right um which is cool it's yeah. so cool and 30 yeah. flights of loving kind of has that same feel of like it ends kind of in the middle of the movie yeah in a way right yeah. like there's yeah. like a, a an event that happens at the end of this game and then you crash into the <laughs> you crash into the museum and that's the end of the game right but it's like there's obviously more to it you know yeah, uh, it's so well, I mean, hard to. It's a game where you'll you'll never know uh, all of the details. I mean, there's the one detail that I'll spoil if mm -hmm. if that is kind of hard to catch. Um, there is so one of the people that you're d going on the heist with is obviously yep. somebody that you have had a romantic relationship Anita, with yeah. at least once. Um, and then there is a 
very quick flash during a shootout to a different woman. Yep. And that woman is actually the bad guy from the other game that EJ played. Um, And I think the idea is that somehow there was a romantic you 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 back the player the player character mm-hmm. not necessarily the player but the character the player is playing as uh back sort of backstabbed romantically yep. the person that he was on the heist with and somehow it all got messed up or that woman who in uh what is the other game called bone uh gravity bone gravity bone uh or perhaps that woman set you up because she yeah. kind of sets you up in Gravity Bound. Yep, she sets you up in that. But in we that don't know. Too. This is all we know. Yeah. Like this. This is it. Like essentially, this is what makes it so. It's it's so brilliant. It's just it's so hard to parse. At the same time, it's so easy to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can visualize the entire story from start to finish. Right. And yet at the same time, it is so hard to parse all of the context, and that's kind of incredible like that's good filmmaking yeah like that's not like that not just good game making that's right. like i mean if if only it were longer than 15 minutes you know if right only and that's the actually... whole thing is i what i have wanted since 2012 when i played this game is i want a game like a game length yeah. game that yeah. has this level of film style storytelling in it and it's god, not about cutscenes. god it's, that would be hard it would be very hard I mean, I want like Ooh. a French New Wave film, <laughs> French New Wave game. video game. Yeah, that's yes. what I want. French you New want Wave, French game. New Wave film yep. on your video game. You on want my video it in game. your hands, into yeah. the palm of your hands. I want playful structure. I want mm-hmm. jump cuts. I want a story told out of order, and I've just never gotten it. And I think the only person that might give it to me is Remedy. I think Remedy could do that, and I think okay. this is why I'm excited about Alan Wake Two. I think I, Alan Wake could absolutely do it. Yeah. Like just that that game, like that game series already kind of sets up for something like this. It does. And and I feel like they Ooh, imagine. Have, yeah. It's exciting. That's why <laughs> yeah. I mean low key, like Alan Wake 2 is like my most anticipated game right now. Cause if it's this, like if it's that, if it's this, <laughs> and then it's that, <laughs> like if it's the thing that you want and this thing that we have, like at the same time, those two things, that's that's that. That's you know? yeah. This that is this. And that would be this, and that would then dude, be that. Dude, that would be that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, where should we yeah. rank it though? <laughs> I don't really fucking know. It's the thing. <laughs> I'm still like looking at this list. I'm like trying to. I as an experience. We we here's what we have to do. We have to do this as an experience. Okay. Yep. So. I think what we do is we just kind of start at Stanley Parable and we work our way up mm-hmm. because we, it's just, it's an experience. It's got, it's a vibe. I mean, it's, it's a vibe. just a vibe. We have, uh, you have a 15 minute vibe. So next on the list is Skyrim. What, what game? I don't like, like Skyrim. You just are thinking you know, I don't this. like Skyrim. I don't like Skyrim. I know you don't like Skyrim. I don't really like Skyrim all yeah. that much. I well, bounce yeah, off of look- Skyrim all the time. I think it's kind of silly. Um, I, Bethesda kind of does that to me, though. It's here's really here's the thing. I want to respect Matt. Matt is not here. Okay. So what if let's let's pop down a little bit into okay. a into yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a less ambitious zone? I want to talk about inscription in relation to this game. Ooh, that's in- a good question. Mm-hmm. So inscription. I think this is better. <laughs> yeah, me too. See, that's the uh-huh. thing. So I think I think we can really agree on that. 
Yes. Um, Inscription is a game that I feel like it has some neat narrative sh- tricks. Uh, it is also, it's number 58 on our list. Mm-hmm. Um, has some neat narrative tricks. It has an interesting structure, but the vibe and what it's going for with those tricks is not quite, it's not as compelling to me. Inscription, um, inscription I think, loses a lot of points. It's funny because it kind of gains a lot of points uh, when you first play it. Yes. This kind of ARG style that it mm-hmm. goes for. And then it loses a lot of points immediately after you're done playing it. Yes. Um, because of that same reason. So it's yeah. it's it's an enigmatic is what I would call inscription. I loved inscription. I loved my one playthrough of inscription. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But 30 Flights of Loving has me tongue-tied on a podcast about it. Like, yeah. I can, I can explain to you what's going on in inscription. Like, the, the thought experiment that you have to do with it, I think, is just a better vibe. Yeah. I, I think it's a higher vibe, which yeah. takes me to another game that's kind of a vibe, which is just a few more up, Inside. Inside, um, yeah. Because like, we have a lot in this like kind of range from this to Stanley Parable, which are kind of like this. Yeah. Th- these are games that are more like what we're talking about right, right now. Right, right. Inside, Journey, and Stanley Parable all kind of go in this. Right. So, so Inside is number 54 on the list. Right. And How do you feel about that one? So inside is a it's a complicated game for me. I think, I think that so. the game is is too dark. Is something I've said on the show. <laughs> I agree before. with that. I yeah. think it's way too dark. I think it kind of doesn't. It's like I feel like the game doesn't invite me into the story as much, but it does have that sequence towards the end that is so much fun and so it there's an emotional catharsis even if the story is just merely being gestured at. And I think that that is something that they have in common uh, in that. Inside, inside's more of a shrug, though. You yeah, know? I agree. It is a little bit more of a shrug at its at its um, point um, versus 30 Flights of Loving. Isn't There's no shrugging at the plot. Yeah, I um, agree. Because that's kind of all there think, is, is like here's this story told in a very weird way, you know. I dig. I honestly am kind of good with putting it above inside. That actually seems I, like I a dope agree. spot. Yeah, I agree. I do want to talk about Journey, though. Yeah, let us do too. talk about Journey, because Journey is an interesting game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think vibes wise, this is where man Stanley Parables really misplaced. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna be on that re-ranking episode. And I don't know how you're gonna how be targeting. Well gonna yeah, do. you're gonna be targeting Stanley Parable. I, there's there's several on here. I'm kind of targeting. Honestly, yeah, yeah. But, I love um, that. But yeah, Stanley Parable. I'm I'm starting to wonder because Journey and and it may be just because I think the Journey is is criminally low on this list. I I really do. I don't know. I think that like for me, I think it's not necessarily the number placement of journey, like it being 52 on a list of 91 games. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem necessarily, it's more the games above it. Yes. What I'm, yeah. 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 That's the like, whole thing. Yeah. I like, it would be, I, I don't know. I, I like what journey goes for journey is ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 flights of loving is ambitious, but right. journeys ambitions, boy, boy. Oh boy. Like, I, there's nothing like journey. There's nothing like it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it 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 makes you infer things about its universe in a way that you just you just can't capture. The fact that it like throws you in with a random stranger essentially, yep. and says you have to figure this out with this other person 
who who essentially acts as like a guide, but the other person is also using you as a guide. Right. It's like it's like uh, what what do they call that? It's it's whenever it's like the the deaf leading the blind or whatever it's called, the blind mm-hmm. leading the deaf or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just you are just both leading each other down a literal journey. Right. <laughs> and it's it kind of incredible. Like I, I just don't yeah, I just as far as Journey's placement on this list, it, it is mostly just the games above it are kind of in an awkward spot. Uh, I think Journey too doesn't get, get enough love on this show because it's not a game that's com- comparable to enough games to be talked about enough on this show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's no, kind of part of the game. That's part right. of the game of this list is the right. fact that the game has to be like comparable enough to other games to be talked about. Right. And what happens to Journey is a game like Halo 3, which is easy to talk about, right. or a game like Mass Effect 3, or a game like Portal, are all above it. Right. And it's not Journey's fault. It's that those three <laughs> games are probably you know are right there. I guess I don't know. Not Halo 3 for me, but no, no um, not for me. Either. You know, but. But if you talk about like Portal or Mass Effect Three, those are pretty okay games. Yeah. And and what happens is is all these other games get talked around it, right? Right. And we right. talk about Klonoa Two and, and and Sonic the Hedgehog next to each other and and TMNT and they get they get the love and Journey just doesn't get that love because it just there's nothing like it. So right. finally in this episode, EJ gets to go on a on a tangent I about love <laughs> about how this game A is criminally underrated and B it's because. Um, the flaw with this list is that we don't talk about every single game every time. Uh, I mean, we do, we do what we do what we're doing in this game in this episode. Right, I mean, this we're playing is like a, a game. Yeah, the, yeah, we're playing. We're we're rolling dice essentially to to see what Thirty Flights of Loving is is like. And and so for Journey to sit here at fifty two and and basically, you know, I understand like you know you may not like Journey and and that's fine. Um, but it just you know it it's gonna be. This is why we have re-rankings, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, no, yeah. we have to have a re-ranking. This is why, if you were ever wondering why there needs to be re-rankings, it's this. Oh, it's absolutely. Because these games just get shoved down the list, and it's through literal no fault of their own. Right. It's just that something happened right. to where, to where it just finds its way falling. It, it yeah. just falls. Yeah, I would so. not. I feel like the list is at its best right after a re-ranking. Oh, as yeah. far as like, I mean, it's not, it's never perfect. Um, the whole point is that it's a messy project week to week. Uh, right. But yeah. But speaking of which, I think we got to go ahead and say that uh, 30 Flights of Loving is our new number 54, pushing inside down one rank and every yep. other game after it. Um, so there you go. Uh, two <laughs> in spots. In every other game after it. <laughs> in every other game. All, all the other games just got pushed out <laughs> one for a game that has almost no traditional game There's elements. Not a game here. <laughs> Folks, I don't know how else to put it. It's just in a game, so it's it's. It, but go do it anyways. It's beating games like Forza Horizon Five, <laughs> a game full bursting at the seams with game elements. It yep. beats Grand Theft Auto Three, <laughs> one of the foundational open world games of all time that we classically hate on this show. Yeah, uh, yep. it's better than Kingdom Hearts, which is yep. uh, if you were ranking based off of episodes of OGA, it would probably be number one. Yeah. Uh, yep. Beats out. What else does it beat out? Mist, which I don't. Mist. I think yeah, the Mist well. episode, y'all. We, that was a crazy episode. All right, I Mist like was Mist. Nuts. I, it's, I mean, me too. I like me too. Like it's Mist. number eighty-two on our list. Like, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy because it's like I, I like, I like games all the way down to Halo Two, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I Halo Two is a good game. 
it's fine. Uh, it, you know, I know that it's kind of bleh in its storytelling, but yeah, there's 86 games on this list that right. are good. I'm right. sorry. Right. And so, but I, I want to go back to Forza Horizon 5. I love that you were like, like Forza Horizon 5 has a ton of game elements. I don't think there's a game on earth that wants to be a video game more than Forza Horizon 5. <laughs> I can't think of a single game that's just like we have everything. I we promise. Just, we just want to be a game. <laughs> we just want to like, be. We've got racing. so much candy. Do you want to come to our party, please? Please race cars with me. Please come to the party. Cars. We just want to party with you. <laughs> what yeah. A, what a sad, sad game. <laughs> yeah, that that is that, that man. I I mean, I loved the time that I had with Forza Horizon Five for the record. Oh yeah, it's great. It's but it's like kind of the second we were done with it, I was like, I hate that yeah. party. I don't want to. Yeah. Back. <laughs> that's what kind of yeah. party it was it's actually it reminds me of hunter after like comedy shows like anytime <laughs> anytime after a comedy show hunter's like raring to go and then afterwards he's like yeah well i don't actually <laughs> actually didn't like it that much i think it's i think it's just the the condition that hunter has of just Dude, being like oh man i'm it's, here it's my survival instinct it's like if it's comedy i gotta show up and i gotta be positive and i gotta be ready yeah. to go Second, yeah. my set is over. I do not have to be positive anymore. <laughs> I could just be whatever I got, and however uh-huh. I felt about that, I could just express it. But up until showtime, I got to put on a happy face and feel <laughs> empowered and excited about uh, the opportunity presented to me. Speaking of which, I have to do a set in about one hour, and it's all the way oh. in Fayetteville, which is 45 minutes from where I got to go. So we got we, we to gotta cut this off. Uh, here, All right. but uh, this was really fun, man. I love. Uh, I loved that we took over the show to do yeah. like five different things with it, basically. Yeah, yeah. We we created a whole new brand of podcast uh, yeah. today, which yeah. is which is not what the listener wants to hear. <laughs> only what we want to talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. Like this is gonna be the vibe, whatever. It's me and you. And if you like <laughs> this, this is why vibe, it's never me and you. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> This is why we're not this allowed to do be this. Yeah. It can't be no, us. No, it can't be us. No, like between the two of us, we're both uh, way more interested in getting away from the cause yes. at hand, like from whatever the topic is. Uh, so yeah, what? But I mean, if you like me and EJ's approach, please mm-hmm. sound off in the uh, Discord comments uh, under the thread for specifically this episode. Let us know what you think of when it's me and EJ's turn, and maybe yep. in another hundred episodes, we'll do it again. You know. <laughs> This is a once every two years kind of treat for you. And Sorry if, you if you're it, bad. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs>Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Oh,